Welcome to MMBT, a podcast about music, movies, books, and TV shows. I'm your commentator, Emilio. Alright, so welcome to uh, today's uh, episode, or this month's, I guess. I guess I'm doing one a month right now. Um, and uh, I apologize for the hang-up and not getting one out as soon as I was hoping to. Uh, I got sick for a week there, and uh, I had a major event in my life happen a weekend before that, and a whole bunch of things. So I had asked on Twitter um, what my next podcast should be about. Should it be about The Last Jedi, or should it be about Xena? Um, I had two responses to the poll, but you know, two is better than none. Um, and both said that they would like to see me talk about Xena. So that is what I'm going to be doing today. Um, so I guess what I'm going to do for Xena is I'm going to first go over uh, the importance of how important it was to me in the 90s. Um, and then sort of go with the, like, is it still relevant, you know, 20 years later? Um, so Xena was like one of these shows that was, I don't know how, but it was super important and informative for me uh, when I was a teenager. And I was a teenager from about 94 to 2000. And this is right when Xena aired and was on for its six seasons. It was on the, on TV. And uh, it was what drove me to get like my first TV, like, really save up and buy for it and have one in my room so I could record it or watch it when I wanted to or stay up late and watch it because it was Sunday nights um, in the Midwest here. And, um, and it, it, it was one of these shows that it wasn't so much that it was empowering women. Um, I'm sure that was part of it. It was strong female characters. And at the time, uh, I identified as female. Um, rather than gender queer, trans, as I do now. Uh, and so um, I'm sure that was part of it. Uh, but there was something more to it. I think part of it was the Greek mythology. I really love Greek mythology. All of a sudden, ooh, here's these female characters plunged in to Greek mythology so I get to understand Greek mythology maybe a little bit better. Um, it had a very dynamic storyline. Um, even the last season, which I didn't really care for, where you jumped like 20 years into the future and you know you were taking place during the Roman Empire rather than the ancient Greek Empire. Um, the It still was really well done. And I like the idea that it was one of the first shows, like, I didn't even realize this because I wasn't a big on-the-internet person because the internet was brand new then, and I was a teenager, and so my parents were like, no, let's not have you do as much internet. You don't know what's going on with this thing. Um, so I wasn't as huge into all that as uh, as a lot of people, but it was one of the first shows that was really fan-driven, where after a couple of seasons, they realized that one of the true hearts of the show was people were, you know, fangirling or uh, fanning or creating, you know, a couple out of Xena and Gabrielle, and they really used that um, to their advantage. And it wasn't even queer baiting in the terms of how we think of queer baiting. Um, you could tell that that wasn't the intent, that they really were trying to develop 
this relationship between these two women. And you could read that how you wanted. Um, and towards the end, you could tell that they were even playing to the, you know, they are soulmates. Um, and you can decide what soulmate means. Does soulmate mean that you're, you know, really good friends? Or does that mean you're a couple? Um, and that definitely influenced, like, even for me, how I see soulmates. Um, that, you know, soulmates and couples and all that can be interchangeable and change over time. Um, and they really did talk about karma and all that stuff. And it's, it was a way for me to look at other religions, uh, other belief systems, um, and decide what my belief system was, which is something that I think uh, more shows should do. Um, and it did a really good job of doing that for me. Um, I really, really enjoyed watching it because of that. Um, I really enjoyed the fight scenes. I mean, you know, you look at it and you go, there was something about, especially, like, for me, the character of Gabrielle. Like, Zena, you got this backstory, right? You got, like, this whole idea, like, she was a really bad person and now she's redeeming herself. But the character I thought was more fascinating was Gabrielle. Because you go from this, <coughs> I want to, excuse me, I want to, like, explore the world and branch out from my small community and learn more about myself to this, like, I am going to take all the lessons I've learned from Zena and become the thing that she maybe couldn't be. Um, and you can kind of see that, like, at the end of the show is Gabrielle going out and becoming the better version of what Xena maybe couldn't have been because of her past. Um, and I really enjoyed that whole thing because of that. Um, it's just one of these shows that I really, really enjoy. Uh, I, you know, they did a good job of, like, you know, taking times where you're like, oh, let's flashback and using them well, or, like, doing one-offs but the one-off still fit into the, the series of the show. Um, and it's one of the first shows that you can really see that you start having a plot line carrying through the whole season. It's not a bunch of one-segment shows, which, uh, you know, we now think of and take for granted as, like, that's what shows do, right? They carry a plot line through from show to show, but... That's actually a really unique thing that a few shows in the 90s started to create, right? They started to create over-arcs uh, through episodes. And Xena is one of those shows that I really enjoyed because it'd be like, you would watch the episode, but also the episode would carry in and would have weight to the next episode that you were watching. Um, so... There's all these reasons why I think it was just so important for me in, you know, besides the fact that, you know, it's your formative years, like, and especially now, and even then, TV, you know, really does sometimes define um, for teenagers their, their teenage years. And, like, for me, being somebody who was socially awkward, um, I don't, I think a lot of people who knew me in high school wouldn't have known that. 
because uh, I did interact with a lot of people and talk to a lot of people, but I was very socially awkward um, and didn't feel like I fit in and kind of thought that, you know, nobody would invite me. They were just tolerating me to tolerate me. Um, and I still have that feeling sometimes now. Uh, but it was shows like that that show me, oh, but as long as you have like that one good person in your life, um, where those couple of good people who are going to take you for no matter what, um, that aren't necessarily your family, <coughs> um, you're going to do well. So that is what you know I took away from it and really influenced me going into adulthood. Um, and one of the reasons why I still enjoy watching it even now. Um, so how does this... You know, how does it carry forward for 20 years later? Um, I think it carried forward because everything that it talked about and did is still relevant today. Um, you know, it talked about, like, religion. It talked about, you know, same-sex couples. It talked about, you know, polygamy in some sense. It talked about... Um, marriage, it talked about, you know, respecting other religions, it talked about, uh, it, about uh, pretty much everything, and it did a good job of carrying through plot points, and like, you know, even with all the corny, that you watch, watch it now, you're like, oh my god, those graphics are so corny, but that's everything, like, you look at 20 years later, and the graphics just get better on TV, right, like, when we were watching, you know, you know, Star Trek in the 90s, the original Star Trek, you would look at it and go, oh my god, this is terrible graphics, it, but it was still a good show. And it's still a good show now. And Zena's the same way, like the graphics, it was late night TV. I mean, late night TV never has great graphics. They just don't, they don't have the budget for it. You know, they don't get that um, idea. It was one of those things I think has kind of been lost too. We don't have that late night um, TV uh, drama that you used to have, and that's something that is nice, like, is that Xena is in replay still, and that you can watch it, and you can get all that, that stuff, um, because it really helps carry it forward, uh, and bring all these feelings and that kind of stuff, and lets you really think about things, um, in a way that maybe you wouldn't have thought of them before, I mean, even when I watch them now, there are times when I'm like, oh, I'm seeing something different and interpreting these differently than I did when I first watched this episode. And I think that's kind of important. The more you adjust and account for that and do that kind of stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, I kind of feel like Xena still is relatively important 20 years later. It still has an impact on my life. I'm sure it has an impact on many people's lives, those of you listening right now. Um, so that takes me to, like, my final point, which I didn't mention at the beginning, which is, there's all this talk of a Xena revival, and, uh, you know, if they were going to do it, if they weren't, and now it's telling me, like, they're not going to, and I kind of feel like, as much as I would love to see a Xena revival, it's not something that we, that necessarily would be a good thing. Because what made Xena so special and unique was the time period it was presented in. Um, and it's kind of like 
you know, the phrase cancerine light in the bottle. Like you can do it probably once. Um, and after that period of time, you know, it's hard to do it again. Um, and I, I think that's kind of the thing is, you know, it was capturing lightning in a bottle. It, there was a moment in time when that show was was on that you're never going to be able to like, capture again. Um, and that's the reason why it has such a deep impact. Like, you look at it and you go, the Internet was just starting to form. Um, the idea of how you got fandoms together was just starting to form. Um, a lot of the, ch- you know, and so all that kind of like grouped together <coughs> to create the perfect um, triangle of what Xena did to TV. Xena took a time period and basically its writers catered the show to its fans. And if you don't see that, you're not really watching it and you don't know the history because as somebody who watched it from season one to the end, I can, when it was on, I can tell you season one and what I experienced in it and what the intent of it is, is so different than season six. And I don't think there would be a way to capture that again. Um, I, I just don't think there would be. There might be another show that would be relevant for this time period, but to redo Xena and try to capture that again would just not, wouldn't, in my opinion, be possible. Um, and, yeah, so there's that. And so then my final thoughts on all this, like, this is going to be a short podcast because it's Xena and... If I were to talk about Xena, it would be two hours, and I don't want to give you a two-hour podcast. Um, so my final thoughts on it are that, you know, Xena was really, really important to a lot of people and to me, and it changed her perspective on how, whether people know this or not, it changed your perspective on friendship and on... Uh, relationships and on, you know, what love is and um, what friendship is and that kind of stuff. And it was one of the first shows to really, like, bring, you know, like, front and center some of the stuff that was in the, um, you know, women's music festival scene to the foreground. Um and put it on TV, whether that was what their intent was or not. Um, and so I really appreciate it for all that. So um, with that, uh, I'm going to end this podcast by saying peace, love, and joy to all of you out there in the city end.